Hey everyone, welcome back to the 10 Thoughts series of JLXP. For those of you who haven't seen the previous episodes of 10 Thoughts, I write uh, LCS's 10 Thoughts that comes out every Thursday at 10 a.m. I also release a podcast that because I'm doing all this prep anyway and thinking about the 10 Thoughts, which needs to fit in this tight article format, I may as well expand on the thoughts in a podcast as well. So it's a bit of a companion piece. It's a little bit of the same stuff that you have read in the 10 thoughts, but I feel like you can kind of consume either or, or both. Um, and at the start of this 10 thoughts, I mentioned that there was the LCS roster lock, which is something that isn't necessarily that public, but is something that is fairly meaningful behind the scenes. So going into week six, actually on the Tuesday the roster lock happened. And what that means is now any team in the LCS, the players that they have on their academy and their LCS team are the only players that they can use. So they can't make any free agent signings. They can't make any trades. It is effectively the LCS trade deadline. It's not going to be as explosive as an NBA trade deadline, oftentimes because so many moves are made anyway between spring and summer. And then there is just that month and a half for additional moves when most players are already locked in. Plus, there's just not as many mechanisms for trades to happen as there is in the NBA with salary caps and set contracts and set expectations. There's so many players that just had these ambiguous contracts where you could approach a team and you could ask for a player and they might say, not available, no buyout, like no chance, or they'll quote some ridiculous number and there's all these weird layers of negotiation that can go in. So you don't see that much on LCS trade deadline day. With that being said, we did actually see some action on LCS trade deadline day and River got traded from the last place team Dignitas to a still bottom of the pack team in Golden Guardians who has looked good in many places but has been unable to close games. I'll break those down in the sections of Golden Guardians and Dignitas but wanted to get that that bit of information out right at the top, I was talking with one of the LCS GMs because I mentioned in the previous video, like I didn't even know when Rosterlock was, so he reached out and told me and thought it would be good for people to know that that exists and a little bit about how it works before we get into the actual 10 thoughts of this week. So <clears throat> EG, still first place. They're 9-2. and two. Next week, coming into week six, they're going to be playing Immortals on Saturday and FlyQuest on Sunday. And... <clears throat> their win streak is over. They had the longest win streak in the LCS. It was snapped against 100 Thieves. I want to bet with Dash about who would beat EG first. I picked 100 Thieves, and I was the first to pick, and it was exclusive pick, so he couldn't pick 100 Thieves. Um, and on the analyst desk on Saturday during the EG game intro in Game 5, he's going to be standing in an ice bath because I won that bet. So that's that's a sweet little win. So kind of looking forward to trying to uh, make fun of him while he tries to do a pregame freezing. But onto the actual analysis, I, I am torn on how I should react to the loss um, because they, so in the game, they lost a Rift Herald fight that you would say they don't normally lose and lost control of the game. But then when I look back at some of their other games, they were 1,500 gold down against TL at 15 minutes. They were 818 gold down against Dignitas and 600 gold down against Cloud9. And they won all those games. And the hallmark of this team, especially in summer, and I'd say a lot 
of the time during their spring split playoff run is just exceptionally good team fighting. They win 50-50 team fights most of the time. But I would also say there was a long part in spring where they were taking more like 30-70 fights and losing those and also losing a higher percentage of their 50-50 fights. So I don't think that this loss should be that unexpected is kind of the point I'm making. But I also think it's very unlikely for EG to continue to run the table from here on out. Like looking back, I actually think eight and one is a bit of an overperformance for them. I think obviously they were pissed that they lost to COG in the first round Robin, but just the way that they play with how aggressive they are, with how many fights they're willing to take. Yes, they do have actually very good macro as well, but winning 50-50 fights is a huge part of league, especially if they want to compete at the international level. And I think doing this is actually making them a better team overall in best of five. So I don't think they should change anything. It's just very unlikely that they can go undefeated in best of ones. That's just a type of style they would have to change that would actually, I think, possibly make them worse internationally. So I I don't care that they lost 100 Thieves, but I also think people shouldn't be surprised if this team ends the split with four or five losses, even though they've looked like the best team in the LCS, and I still think they are the best team in the LCS. Just putting that out there because there were multiple times even this year where if one of those 15-minute fight goes wrong, they would lose those games the same way they lost that 100 Thieves match this past week. So they'll probably 2-0, Immortals FlyQuest. I think FlyQuest obviously has a higher chance because I think they're a much higher performing team. But uh, second team, 100 Thieves. They are 8-3, and three, and they play against Dignitas on Saturday and Immortals on Sunday. And they look soundly back on form from the really lackluster early split that they had. So they are the team that took down EG, and the guy who was getting the most grief for running it down early in the split, Abadage, completely turned it around and carried multiple games. He was player of the game in the EG game. He had that quadra kill in the Rift Herald fight as Azir. Previous week, he also had a great Silas game against CLG. And I've gotten like a little bit of heat about 100 Thieves and like just being negative on them. And there was a, there was a comment from the 100 Talk podcast guys that commented on the last JLXP video with Raz that I really liked. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but it is the top comment on the previous video I have, which was episode 65 with Raz, um, encapsulated it really well, mainly about how he thinks that the roster's like reputation of being able to slump during the regular season and still pick up in the playoffs should buy them a little more respect. And I have been really skeptical when they are playing poorly, which I actually think is pretty fair. And I'll acknowledge that that's what I've been doing. And it got me thinking a little bit about how, like if I'm in this situation again, like it's just so, it's a weird thing where when you're so close to a league and watching every single game, you're going to react more often to things that don't actually matter that much. Another example of this would be like, uh, let's take T1, for example. If you don't follow them that much, you'll see they had this undefeated split and you'd think they'd be completely untouchable. But then you see some inconsistencies watching their games if you watch every single best of one within the best of threes. 100 Thieves is a little bit different, but like if you just follow them and say, oh yeah, by the way, they always turn it on in playoffs. 
it's easier to ignore what happens in the regular season. But if all you see is them either slacking off or not playing clean, while you think it will come together, I still ended up being more critical in the moment. And the funny tweak here is like, we had closure on the desk and I got to ask him this because most like previously it was kind of a theory like, oh yeah, I think they're slacking off. I, I think they try harder in playoffs. And I kind of asked closer fairly directly on these things. Uh, I asked him, do you have a switch in playoffs? He's like, absolutely. Playoffs matters more. We all get more into it and we all play better. And I asked him, what if people give you a bunch of credit? He's like, well, we get a little bit, you know, we kind of buy into it and maybe we, we don't play as well. And then what happens when people call him shit? He's like, well, we're really cocky. So we want to prove them wrong and we try harder. So it's kind of stuck. Like if you criticize 100 Thieves, they're going to be better. If I say they're good like they are now at eight and three, are they going to relax? I actually think they will. There's still three weeks left in the regular season. They've beaten the best team. They're one game out of first. Everyone's giving them their roses. I think there's going to be a little bit of them just slacking off before the end of the split. Weirdly enough, like they played Dignitas, worst team in the league, traded away River, and Immortals, Saturday, Sunday. It should be a no-brainer 2-0. But I kind of have a feeling it's not going to be. So like for now, good job, total contender. But if you're picking game to game, they fall for trap games like 24-7. Okay, FlyQuest, 7-4. They play C9 on Saturday and EG on Sunday. Gauntlet of a schedule. And last week, we set up that they had an easy schedule and if they want to be considered a top team, they needed 2-0. They did. But now you kind of want to judge them as a top team. And I'll kind of do FlyQuest and C9 a little bit together here because they play first up, first game of the weekend. I think it's the best game of Saturday. And I think most people who have watched all of... This is similar to the last point. Most people that have watched all of Summer Split will think FlyQuest is probably the better team right now. But if you're from the outside, you'll be like, dude, like look at the players on C9. They're going to take it. But I think so much of this is based on what the expectations were before summer for a team and how much they overperformed the expectations. So let's just throw out random numbers between 1 and 10. FlyQuest was expected to be a 4, and they're a 7. Cloud9 was expected to be a 9, and they're like a 6, 6.5. Because that 3 week, I kind of credit them like one to one and a half wins if they would have had their full roster. So even though this is a seven and four team versus a six and five team, I think it's basically a 50-50. And if I rely on the faith you have in like the the history of the players on paper, Berserkers, Ven, Jensen, Blabber, Fudge, you should favor them over FlyQuest. FlyQuest, though, has just played so much better as a team. They win so many games by stacking Dragon Soul. They have one of the best early games in the league. They don't make that many mistakes. But are the C9 players just that much better? And they're still lower on practice than other teams because of the roll swap, because of the second roll swap top with Fudge, and because Jensen is still coming out of pseudo-retirement. So my, like... At this point, it's like a hot take almost that C9 will beat them. But I think they have a greater than 50% chance of beating FlyQuest in that game. But again, this is like judging FlyQuest as a top team now. So if you're 
pre-expectation FlyQuest, you're going into this week against C9EG thinking they have no chance. Now, hey, let's prove it. Let's prove we belong here. Let's at least get a 1-1. A 2 would really say something, but even a 1-1 will make me continue to respect them as a team. Next team, TL, 7-4. They play TSM on Saturday, who they lost to in the first round, Robin. One of TSM's uh, few wins with that old roster. And then C9 on Sunday. So C9 has two of the best games of the weekend, both on Saturday and Sunday. I think they have the best games of the day. But speaking of the expectation point from FlyQuest C9 on TL now, TL continues to be under enormous pressure, and they've underperformed four consecutive weeks now. So they actually went 3-0 in the first week, and then 1-1 four weeks in a row. And every one of those weeks, almost every one, I went through it, They've tried to fix something that I think they considered broken because they had not gone undefeated. Like anytime this team doesn't win every game, something must be broken is the sense that I get that they have. So like, let's go back in time. In week two, they drafted, let's say too much scaling. TSM beat them in the early game and actually won the game. And then Fly beat them in the early game and TL was able to come back. And then in week three, they still picked scaling. 100 Thieves just picked even more of it, and they lost to 100 Thieves. So I think that was like the last straw. So they go into week four, and they play Lucian Nami early in both drafts with Volibear. Slam it down. They demolish Golden Guardians. Almost throw at the end, but demolish them in the early game. Then they jump out to that 1,500 gold lead against EG, but then EG outscales them. So, okay, they've tried late game. They've tried Slime and Lucian Nami. What was the look last week? Last week, I thought they were just kind of going, like they just identified what they thought the power picks were in the meta. Seraphine's up, take Seraphine. Okay, how do we make a Seraphine comp? All right, cool, it's scaling. Next game, Seraphine's not there. Pocket pick, Hansama, Draven, just pick it. We're going to win early game. We're going to beat people with our unique champion pools. CLG's really good at counter picks. CLG had a much better team comp. They lost that one. So... What are they going to do into this coming week? I don't know. But I don't expect them to stay the same. I think they are just rapidly switching from left to right, whereas I really thought at the start of the split they were on a steady course. I was expecting Bwipo, generally good glue picks, whether that's tank initiation or split push, whatever the team needed. I thought it was Bjergsen on his fairly wide pool of comfort champions so he'd be able to pull out the pocket zillion otherwise just play the stuff in the meta it's not that complicated azir corky oriana victor all that stuff was good he can play silas if that comes back he can still play talia just like play the meta mids bjergsen can do it and then bot lane lane dominant stuff if it's there but han sama on a good team fighter and then santorin is just on his kind of generic bruiser jungler that's a team that wins like 15 games in my opinion but they're bouncing around in all these different directions and they're going to only win like 12 games is what it feels like unless they somehow win out the next seven. So TSM, I do expect them to beat on Saturday because TSM is still switching around the roster. I'll get to that solos in instead of soul. And then C9, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in that game? So not that happy about TL, all things considered. Next team, C9. Six and five. Done a lot of talking about them. They play FlyQuest on Saturday and Teal on Sunday. A little bit of added context here. I did call their week five on the last podcast one of the most disappointing tools ever. And Fudge even said, like, we're not playing well, but we keep winning. So 
trying to figure out if this team is better than their record or worse than their record is kind of hard because they are better than their record if their players are going to continue to improve on their off rolls. They all have world's experience except for Berserker, who's one of the most gifted mechanical AD carries I've ever seen. And they will get better at team play and they have great mechanics, so they're a contender. Or they're worse than their record because they have two recent roll swaps. They are sloppy and uncoordinated. Their drafts don't necessarily make that much sense consistently, partially because they are trying so many different things together. And yeah, they're actually six and five. And the 0 and 3 isn't a full excuse. So, like, huge, huge, huge week for them. Fly and TL, you can see them losing both of those games. If you look at that 6 and 7 Cloud 9, that's going to look dark. If you look at an 8 and 5 Cloud 9 after beating two good teams, completely different look and aura of confidence going into the final weeks of the regular season and playoffs. This is C9's week. Like, C9, best game of Saturday, best game of Sunday, better tune in. Next team, COG, 6-5. and Golden Guardians on Saturday and Dig on Sunday. So COG, this week for COG is what last week was for FlyQuest. FlyQuest played the same teams last week, and we said if they get a 2-0, they can be considered the top team. That is COG right now. If they go 2-0, they're 8-5. That's a damn good record. If they slip up and go 7-6 or 6-7, that's freaking disappointing because they started 3-0, they're three and five since, but they've had these impressive wins interspersed. One of them against EG, one of them against TL. Logically, on paper, they should win. We mentioned last week it's like the patch of Palafox. Somewhat true. Push and move mid laners definitely seem like they're back. I don't think mid laners will be getting Talia more. That champ is too OP. But. If they do get it, Palafox is good at it. He also likes Silas. He's also good at the Zier. He, he's also good at um, at Vex. They got a huge buff. I'm not sure if it fits because you kind of need to find the right lane matchups, and I don't know enough about it, but I just know you can't pick it every time. But if the angle's there, he's going to see it, and he's going to be able to make an impact. Okay, trade deadline team, Golden Guardians, 4-7. and seven. They play CLG on Saturday and TSM on Sunday. They did the trade deadline thing, and it's not the first time they've done a mid-summer split trade. 2021, they picked up Liquors from FlyQuest. FlyQuest was looking like his career was over with how he was looking on FlyQuest in 2021. Goes to Golden Guardians, looks pretty good, and they found a culture that works for him. But looking back at last week, it like the trade is like the one sense of optimism you have for this team because last week was brutal. They lost to FlyQuest. FlyQuest stacked Dragon Soul on them. And then they had a 7,000 gold lead versus Cloud9 at 21 minutes. Blew that lead. Lost the game. But it's not like that's the first time. I went back. I had to go to Spring. But they had a 10,000 gold lead against Golden Guardians that they blew. A 7,500 gold lead against FlyQuest that they blew in the Spring split. And then the regular season tiebreaker game against FlyQuest. They were 4,500 gold up. And lost that one as well. And dude, blowing that many big gold leads is demoralizing because it's also really hard to fix. Even though you can work on some fundamental things like, hey, after we get Baron, let's all reset and deploy the right way. Let's do a 4-1. Let's 
put down these wards if you're trying to push safely. Like the composition you have and the composition you are against have so many unique variables that like these guys I'm sure have all drilled the fundamentals, but those unique variables just come down to experience and habits that are developed over years of pro play. And Golden Guardians is actually was actually is actually a pretty old team in LCS terms. They have very experienced players. It's actually more of a win now roster than a development roster. So these guys aren't super pliable with the way that they see the mid and late game. So I, I think in a sense, the loss to C9 is the straw that broke the camel's back. Switch something out. Let's bring in River. There is a lot different between River and Pride Stalker. He is perceptionally way more active in the early game. By the numbers, actually not that more active in summer. His vision control numbers are a lot better. I think he does put a higher priority, especially in the late game, on just fighting rather than farming, which is probably going to open them up to doing a little bit more in the middle late game. You can scapegoat Pride Stalker a little bit for just continuing to be efficient, but that also means he's not in position to make the surprise plays when maybe Ole is looking for them. Ole and River are much more likely to link up to make plays in the middle late game. So I think this should be a pretty good upgrade for them. It's not like this team can't generate gold leads. This team just can't win. So they need something to push them over the top, and hopefully River is that thing from Dignitas. Okay, we'll get through the last three because people don't necessarily come to the LCS to watch the bottom bottom three teams. Immortals, three and eight. They play EG, 100 Thieves, Saturday, Sunday. And listen, this team actually looked decent. So retrospectively, I'm pretty glad that I didn't just shit on them when they were losing their games because they legitimately just had no practice and that was a good excuse for not looking that good. So their wins have been against TSM and C9 in the last two weeks, they're two and two. They've beaten TSM and C9 and they lost to COG and TL, but both of those were close games. So like on top of the two and two that was closer to being more, it's not like they just put Power of Evil on Oriana and Corky four times. They have been playing different stuff. His Silas game, even though it lost, looked pretty good. Um, He did win a game on Corky, but they're just playing some slightly more up-tempo things and making a few more early plays. Of course, though, like that's where I'm going to cut the Immortals' positivity because they do play EG and 100 Thieves this week, who are the two best teams in the LCS. So very likely they go 0-2. and two. But I think I'm ready to continue to call them not the worst. I think they're a decent chance of making playoffs, which isn't something you would have said two weeks ago at all. They were dead last, dead in the water. But they've, they've managed to bring it back, which is impressive. And TSM, everybody's favorite team to talk about. Uh, so in the least shocking news of the week, they've made a roster change. Soul, their top laner, is out. Solo, their other top laner, is in. But, but this one, this one I'm not going to flame them for. I like this one. So it was communicated well, and I think it actually makes sense for all parties. They, they communicated that Soul requested to step down from the LCS to Academy to finish out the year. I think that makes sense. Last week, he didn't look LCS ready in, in lane, especially. And I think it's better for his game, for fan perception, and kind of holistically for his mental if he steps out of limelight, especially on a struggling team. And if they are committed to each other through next year, it could be really good. Solo, on the other hand, 
has pulled teams out of mediocrity before. He's capable of making a pretty big impact in the LCS. He's just bounced around teams so much. But short-term installments of solo historically have been good. With that being said, his academy games have not been that good. So we'll see if he has that extra switch to turn on when he gets back in the LCS and, you know, has a stage buff. Scrimming against this guy, he definitely has a stage buff. He was he is not good in scrims. He is really <laughs> bad in a lot of scrims. Some scrims he pops off, but he definitely has a lot of not good scrim games. So maybe he was treating Academy a little bit like that. And maybe we see a different solo on the LCS. That's the that's the very that's the very positive look on this. And you know. They've beaten TL once before. That'll be a huge upset. And if they can beat Golden Guardians as well, they're back on track. But don't don't expect too much. It's just, of the TSM changes, I think this is generally a good one from what they did, why they did it, how they messaged it. Good job. <clears throat> Last team, Dignitas, 2-9. and nine. Not much to say about them. They play 100 Thieves and CLG. Uh, they have officially thrown in the towel. Summer split was very disappointing. We talked about it before. It's actually a multi-year trend of them doing pretty well in spring and then making like a small tweak because they don't expect their spring team to like make a jump. And then that tweak just doesn't work and they're much worse in summer. So their last place, many considered River their best player. He's traded. You're not expecting them to win maybe any more games. They probably will just because of best of one. But the one bright spot would be people that follow Academy, people on Diggs Academy team will get a little bit more exposure. So XU is being brought up from the Academy team. He did play lock-in while River wasn't there. Uh, also, Hoon is going to be starting in top lane and Spawn is going to continue on the LCS team for at least another week. As we said at the start, roster lock means that people within the org can move up and down with fluidity but they're not going to be bringing in any extra players. So it is understandable to me why Dignitas would do this when they're doing it. The year wasn't looking good, even with River, and it didn't seem like their team culture was happy. I talked about that before, so they didn't have a spark. Maybe injecting all these new players can give them a little bit of a spark and give them a few wins before the year is out. But that's all 10 teams. That's 10 thoughts for this week. Appreciate everyone who watches once again. Really active really active comment section in last week's episode the actually like the monday episode really active comment section on reddit i still read the youtube comments more they're more positive and there's like some people in the reddit thread are literally saying like i didn't watch any of this person's games but here's my opinion like it's it's crazy what some people will just comment but reddit actually does hold a lot of power in the scene so i really appreciate the people that posted that last week and talked about it on reddit because it's a I have noticed, even though it's not a lot of discovery, you do get some discovery from Reddit. So the views were bumped a little bit um, by you all who, who posted and commented there on Reddit. So thank you for that. Once again, thank you for watching. I'll try and be doing this every week and I will see you next time.